Hello, and welcome to Magical Girls Gone Canon, Episode 4, Sailor Moon Crystal, Season 3, Part 2. I am one of your hosts, Chloe. And I am another one of your hosts, Eliana. Yes, Season 3 just had so much stuff for us to talk about that we were like, we can't fit all this in one episode. And so we decided to break it out. I think our first half was chunky in a good way. It was a little chubby episode in a good way, but I think we wanted to make sure we did it some justice, some sparkling Love justice. and justice. Love and justice. Some yes. moon healing escalation justice. <laughs> <laughs> we will be coming back right after this. This is the end of Crystal, but we'll be coming back to cover Eternal, possibly in November, maybe? Question mark? Probably, and I think we're gonna, so, from here on out, they change the structure of things, I don't know why, budget, probably, again? Yeah. Sailor Moon Eternal and Sailor Moon Cosmos, that is not yet out internationally or in the US, sorry everyone, if you've heard about our misinformation era, our bad, we were very excited. Anyway, so, from here on out, they are no longer doing, like... 13 episode seasons they start doing movies like two the the whole arc is broken up into like two movies so sailor moon eternal is two movies sailor moon cosmos is two movies this part is not misinformation (laughs) yeah i'm excited because i haven't sat down to watch through eternal yet so i just didn't i was kind of waiting i wanted to see when cosmos was coming out Hmm. and i mean i watched it in long form in the 90s and it wasn't quite as accurate as it'll be to the manga but i'm excited i'm excited to sit down it'll be fresh takes you're getting from me yeah but before we get there which may be in november because we thought we were going to do it this month until we realized we had way too much stuff let's let's go forward right and finish up season three of sailor moon crystal so last time Saturn was being possessed and influenced to become Mistress Nine, and she's captured the silver crystal off of Chibiusa. It's crazy, and here we are with Act 34, Infinity 8, Infinite Labyrinth 1, and Act 35, Infinity 9, Infinite Labyrinth 2. Coming off of that spectacular transformation for Mistress Nine, I I kind of was reading some of the manga. I feel like every time we record, I read a little bit more. So... Who knows what I'll finish first, Lord of the Rings or the Sailor Moon manga, but it's a, I'm just saying, it's a really incredible transformation sequence, and Hotaru looks really childlike and afraid, right, and then turns into this kind of monstrous thing, and we talked a little bit about how Tomoe's, you know, actual saving her was also, like, turning her basically into a cyborg, and... I think the actual Crystal series, I I, I wish that it would make more clear of that here because Mistress Nine is basically an alien like molecule parasite that's taking over Hotaru's body. So I really wish we could have seen a little more of like in the manga, there are these awesome illustrations where the like flesh is like kind of like rippling on her and she looks crazy. Here she's just kind of a hot, older, cool, crazy Hotaru. Which is fine, which is whatever, but it makes me, like, going back to the idea of, like, some of the the filler that I wish we could have had a little more of in this series. Just a few episodes more to care 
because Hotaru and Chibiusa are so connected, the plots of turning into their quote-unquote older selves become connected and paralleled. Like, no matter what you do, they both have yeah. a very parallel arc of what they go through. But Hotaru's like being possessed by a parasite where Chibiusa's stemmed from a lot of emotional as well, right? So, I don't know. It's interesting. I just wish that she wasn't just like hot, crazy Hotaru, only older, you know? Yeah, uh, I like what you're saying, that idea, because I think that would have really hammered home that, I, that you know, these are... These are alien beings. These are alien monsters, right? Coming to our world and stuff. And, and it's something that does show up later on. And there's just a lot that... You mentioned this last episode, but that can be done with some of the body horror stuff. And mm -hmm. I know you're going to expand on it more this episode. Um, That could have been really fun. And it's also... This is going to sound so dumb when I say this. I don't know why I've never considered the fact that, yeah, Mistress Nine is essentially just like an age-up Hotaru. And she does look like her, right? She shares mm -hmm. a lot of features. But I had kind of interpreted Mistress Nine as actually, like, a different person slash body. Uh, who happens to also have black hair. But, and, like, then her body takes over and, like, uses her... I think what you're saying is probably right. But I don't know why that's ha what my brain thought mm -hmm. for all these years. It's interesting. It almost makes you think about her mom, considering we're coming off of the background story in the last episode. Like, she's taking on an older version, like her mom, not unlike Chibiusa's kind of thing with Usagi. There is something interesting, though, now that you say it, of, like, for Chibiusa, you know, the very opposite thing. Hotaru's able to fight back against this thing, or we see her fighting it, you know, that she yeah. wants out, she doesn't want to be contained, where... Chibiusa, while she was manipulated, she's like, no, ha ha ha, I'm living my best dark lady life out here. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would want freedom and agency and adulthood too if I were 300 years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hotaru just wants to live like a normal little girl, right? And mm -hmm. she hasn't been allowed to because her father's infamous. She's trapped in the school and he's used her body for scientific experiments. Also, she's the Sailor Senshi of death. That's true. Oh, that's actually, like, a great connection. You know, there's so many other, like, forces that are part of her that are kind of telling her who to be. Mm -hmm. And I think um, that's something we'll explore a little later. She gets to but... carve her own path after this. Kind of. In rebirth, at least. She... <laughs> I was like, kind of, but actually she's dies but she's reborn so if her death if her by carve path you mean die yeah yes yeah i meant the which is what part, princess but... serenity did too if you think about it you yeah. know that's just what these royals do apparently <laughs> who needs cryogenics when you can just die and come back in a sailor moon plot that is kind of what non-neo queen serenity what old queen serenity did didn't oh, she my god like cryogenics <laughs> anyways um, we open yeah. up these next episodes with Chibiusa being pronounced dead, and the Outer Senshi say her soul was taken. So the Outer Senshi are like, well, we're gonna have to kill Saturn to get her back, as well as save the world. We're kind of in a hard place slash rock, you know? Yeah, and it's like, we gotta kill the little girl, is, is essentially what they're saying. And you know, a lot of what I'm about to say here is more uh, is more applicable to the plot that they had in the 90s anime, as opposed to this one. But we do end up learning more, in general, right, about what's going on with Tomoe and Master Pharaoh 90, 
And I do think it's really interesting, this this dilemma in which, you know, like, they must kill Sailor Saturn to save Chibiusa. And I think it's a great contrast, especially, again, in the, in the 90s anime, to, like, what Tomoe does to save his daughter, even though it doesn't all go down like this. Um, you know, it's, it's that question, like, what are the lengths that you'd go to to save your kid? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, because Chibiusa is Usagi's kid. And we know that Tomoe ends up committing some, like, huge sins they're pretty big they only get bigger and is continuing to pretty much kill people as serving pharaoh 90 but also like to an extent like a lot of what he's doing some of it is for hotaru's health right like what wouldn't you do to save your child what wouldn't you do like would you sacrifice your morals and your soul and maybe like everyone else's though it turns out that is not really tomoe's like <laughs> motivation in this he just wants to you know i don't know do crazy shit to learn more but like for usagi it's like are you willing to go to any fucking length to save your daughter even if it means killing another little kid even if it means killing the little kid that your daughter fought so hard to save would you do it yeah and that's the most sailor moon of all of it right especially of what's being explored in these two episodes how could she choose between her daughter and her daughter's friend that's possessed and basically killed her daughter, and the entire world. Like, Yusagi believes in the save everyone decision no matter what. She believes in trying no matter the cost, and that's kind of what makes yeah. Yusagi so special and so pure, that she would refuse to leave anyone behind in this scenario, that she, like, will will a new way to fix it all into, into being, which is essentially what she does. That's why she's so fucking mm -hmm. powerful, but, like, that's why... The outer senshi are like, I don't think you got the guts to do it all of what needs to be done yeah. in their eyes. I agree. There's a really fun little throwaway plot that I really love. Little line. It's like a nod to the manga. And Uranus and Neptune are like, we have patrons that take care of our expenses. And it's never really talked about again, but it is said in the manga. And... Who knows what's happening, whether they have, like, people paying them because they love their arts, or paying them because they're hot, or paying them, you know, it could be Pluto embezzling through time. Who the fuck knows, right? That would be Who, impressive. It would be amazing. I would love to watch that heist. But it's funny as fuck because they're living a lifestyle that would be, like, 35-year-old power lesbians in New York City, you know, instead of 18-year-olds in Japan. Like, <laughs> You're right. I'm just saying, like, they straight up are, like, gay and rich, and I'm happy for them, but it's so funny. And also, I want to use the screenshot of <laughs> Haruko saying, oh, you know, we have, we don't worry about money. We have patrons. We have, we have patrons, so we don't have to worry about money. It's actually funny, like, if they chose to adapt it and modernize it to that extent, and I can see how that would be hard. <laughs> what you just said about, like, their lifestyle, like, Haruka and Michiru absolutely would be, like... E-woman. Yeah, or influencers, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know? And I think that they are. It's kind of hinted at that they are, but yeah. you would see more of them, like, on it, whatever fake Instagram they would have, like, in this show. Well, like, the like, racing side story, right? Like, Haruka's yeah. racing. Like, that was, like, they're young and famous for that. And Michiru's violin, quite obviously, everyone knows how talented they are. Yeah. They would absolutely be, like, also, you know, all over, I don't know, TikTok. They'd be making TikToks and shit. <laughs> Absolutely, in regards to Usagi being, we gotta save everyone because she's pure. And, you know, coming back to the patron thing though, I looked it up because I thought that that was like a really 
interesting usage of the word patron specifically and I wasn't sure if it was the same word as this and what it was referring to but I, I looked into it it's a play on the term that was used for patrons of geisha mm. in history specifically and a lot of the time this term would be used in the past to connote the purchase of the virginity of a geisha and that's why Michiru is so embarrassed when Uranus <laughs> makes this joke. And it is it is meant to be a joke. It is meant to be a joke. Uranus, the term that, that is being used, again, in the context historically of uh, the geisha, it's Dana. And it also has a connotation of sugar daddy. So that's why there's like candies in the background in the manga version of this. There's like little illustrations of candy. So that's that's what's going on that's moreover what i figured someone's paying for them because they're beautiful young power lesbians i don't even know if that's the thing i don't know if they are or if michiru is just like somebody or, i don't know I if mean, they actually are or if uranus is just an edgelord which i think uranus is kind of an edgelord. i think it has to be both though honestly because yeah it, it reminds me of and this is a really stupid way to put it but and it's something that like not necessarily just from this piece of media, it's from the genre of the vampire genre, but it makes me think about Twilight, when the Twilight vampires, oh, like, all have different skills and things. I'm pulling this out of my, like, 13-year-old ass, hold on. But um, they each, like, you know, they've had ages of just, like, time to be ready as immortal beings to do whatever they want. Like they can pursue whatever hobbies they want. They have all the time in the world to learn languages or master violin yeah. or etc. You know, so it, it reminds me of that. Like they're immortal beings in a way. Like they've had tons of time to perfect things enough to the point where they can use that to just get by and live. Like they're not concerned about money. They've racked up power yeah. to be up beyond that. Yeah, it's all we also like don't really know anything about their families or parents now that I think about it. Right for the outer centuries, sp not including Hotaru because that's actually like a very big part of her plot that we are exploring now. Mm -hmm. But you know, like the inner century, we don't know much. Like for example, about Venus's parents, Jupiter's parents are dead. Um, Ray has the temple. About, yeah, she has her grandfather, and we know Ami's mom is like a doctor, mm -hmm. and I think what her so yeah we don't know anything about these outer are they like all nepo babies probably right and the inner senshi since they're younger facing since they seem younger they pass to be able to have these little families you know younger. like to be just like yeah. i've been reborn to this little family and the outer senshi can pass as a little older in their physicality to you know be on their own yeah and they are older right like they're the cool cool mm -hmm. older kids and I, that's the thing right like they kind of feel like they have to protect usagi not just because of that like whole yeah that's their job on the outskirts of the of the universe but you know as mentor figures right there's like kind of that a uh, feeling of responsibility of like this is my underclassman friend you know the kohai like for senpai relationship it's giving your parents workers your parents employees you know like they worked for her mom and now they work for her and but run away from her in their hot little mini skirts oh <laughs> uh, well mistress nine is very sick of kaolinite and sends her off to deal with the scouts so that she can serve master pharaoh which causes a little <laughs> bit of tension so again um... adding to that those similarities of like when chibi yusa was using it 
as more of a revengeful moment in a way or out of jealousy. Uh, it's weird because it almost like puts that vibe out there of the Kaolinite and Tomoe and Hotaru, like Hotaru being like, you're not my real mom. <laughs> that's right they're just like all fighting over these two men one of whom is hotaru's dad and the other is mm -hmm. Gal no plant interplanetary amorphous being <laughs> 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 uh what what a strange love polygon we have hey you can create a family in a lab these days okay it's not that out there it's not that <laughs> oh out there oh my god oh my god Sometimes a family so, really is just a half cyborg girl, a very jealous mistress, and Pharaoh. Yeah, I guess the Pharaoh, the Master Pharaoh, that's a family. Some sometimes a family is about your two dads and your two moms, one of whom lives inside of you but isn't your mom at all. <laughs> and one of your dads is an amorphous interplanetary being. Oh my god. Try to take over your planet. Anyways, so the Senshi head to Mugen Academy to go fight their counterparts of the Witches Five that they've defeated already. Um, but they they're they're reincarnated, right? Rebirth. You were talking about it, and are brought back to be even better servant soldiers. Um, the Senshi are not doing so hot, so the Outer Senshi have to come and save them again, and then they join forces to be stronger together again. Like how how strength and love is even stronger and we have cyprian and pitlol they're like doing some weird the shining shit and then they like do these like mental damage attacks on sailor moon like nobody likes you and they all think that you're a giant crybaby and they all hate you and it doesn't work on sailor moon but let me tell you it would absolutely fucking work on me um i'd be like oh my god you're so right they all hate me anyways <laughs> Sailor Moon breaks out of it because she believes in herself and she's pure and she's like, wow, no, my friends would never think that about me. But unfortunately, she does get trapped in the smart bubble that we've seen before um, because that is her real weakness. Yeah, definitely uh, fast paced. And again, this season especially, I think it just gets the most disservice to its villains. It's very villain of the week, even more so than the prior two seasons. Mainly due to, like, the plot, 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 kill. Oh, look, we've put them back into their bodies suddenly. Okay, kill again. And, and that's fine. And I don't know, it's something that you and I have discussed this offline in deleted content before. But I think there's, like, an emotional pull when it comes to the villains in this season with how closely the plots are related with um, Mistress Nine and... yeah. Hotaru and Chibiusa and you know like all these plots come together the Sailor Scouts these villains are supposed to really mean something because they're so involved with Hotaru so emotionally it feels like the stakes should be really big and it, it just could have used maybe two to four filler episodes to have the villains really flesh out a little bit more uh to have Kaolinite slash Kaori really come into their own and have some really emotional monologues and moments which i do think that she got in the original 90s anime i think they yeah. could have done a little bit of a service to flesh her out a little i agree i agree I, I, they're just like fun villains and like you said it gives it weight and it just makes the character growth for the people who defeat them it just means something more it's stronger there's a poetry to it 
I want to call out something that was very impressive, though, about this season is there is not one, and I called it out last time, there is not two different ending credit theme songs. There are three ending credit theme songs in this season. There's a third one that starts here. We go back to a different one like later on, but I was like, wow, wow. All the they've got so much budget this season. It's in the animation. It's in like better pacing compared to the previous seasons. And they've got so much music. Yeah. I want to call out that Tuxedo Mask had a character song in this one. He had a great title and yeah, ending exactly. with a character song. It's really nice. It's his own theme, basically. Uh, I want to talk about it a little because the English title, I- I'm not going to do the Japanese title. I'm sorry. I don't want to desecrate it. Uh, Italian, not Japanese for me, as we've discussed before. More Italian. Uh, But the English title is Only Eternity Brings the Two Together, which is beautiful, of course, for him and Usagi's ever, you know, uh, everlasting relationship. They find each other each time so far and have been brought back together. But the music itself is awesome. It's jazzy and funky. Uh, (laughs) It's very jazzy and funky. It's got a lot of great rhythm to it it pops well but it's also romantic so while it reminds me a little bit of like the jazz and funk and also the disco era even a little bit of motown there's Mm. something in it that if you listen it has that crooning element and it reminds me of like american bandstand back in the 50s of like sexy boy bands you know that just make all the girls at home watching it on their little black and white tv or the girls there (laughs) dancing at the sock hop uh, makes them all swoon and go, oh, he's so handsome, which is, I mean, that's everything Tuxedo Mask is kind of embodies, right? Like, that's a strong character song. Like, I sat there and closed my eyes today and listened to it again just so I could really embody it. And I'm like, that's perfect for Tuxedo Mask, heartthrob, boy band heartthrob, you know, that all the girls love and go, oh, Tuxedo Mask. I just think it's perfect. A perfect rhythm and a perfect beat and a perfect speed for him especially in the face of like the latter half of this season especially having the sadder song being the the credit song and that intro song sadder and you know Mm. an upbeat song was fun yeah that's true it is and yeah i guess he's like supposed to feel a little jazzier too isn't he in general and he is someone that all the people swoon over that's why they're always kidnapping him (laughs) I love that. Mr. <laughs> I love, you love that. that he's kidnapped yeah, all the time. I think boys should get kidnapped too. <laughs> yeah. You know, not just girls in anime. That's equal rights. Equal rights. Absolutely. Yeah. Equal rights. Thank you. I'm a meninist. <laughs> Men should get kidnapped meninist. too. Uh, Mistress Nine has been possessed by the crystal's energy and brings it to Master Pharaoh to make him all powerful and complete his. Vesselization. But Hotaru, who's held within Mistress Nine, she can see that it's hurting Chibiusa and fights against it, and that leaves Mistress Nine like feeling very conflicted and like the world is burning inside of her head. And I'm like, wow, even hot alien babes have headaches too. Um <laughs> I feel like throwing it out there, destroying the Tyron crystal was a very premature action on pharaoh 90s part maybe they're just all dumb and that's why their crystal's power is weakening throwing it out there maybe your your crystal weakening is just because you used it all up because you had no sense of planning or foresight because you really like banked it all on this with no plan b 
Yeah. I don't know. And I'm living in a different <laughs> world right now. Like I'm reading The Expanse, as you know, right now. And so everything is like a factor. Like you don't just throw out, you know, something because you think it's breaking. Like you wait till it's broken, broken. And if you really can't use it, you could have re-engineered that shit. And that's why they fail. Like, that's why every villain in the yeah. series fails, because they are stupid. They don't, and it, that actually is more on a moral side of things, though, right? Like, they don't think things that are broken are worth saving or putting back together. We see it in our A Song of Ice and Fire series. We just talked about this in the Arya episodes with the mountain, right? Like, just because someone or something is viewed as, quote-unquote, broken in some way doesn't mean they're useless. That's a great point. Maybe they could have fixed the tire on Crystal, right? But they weren't interested in investing themselves and improving themselves which is exactly what the senshi do and like that's like the part that tomoe twists improving yourself doesn't mean genetic experiments that break the laws of morals (laughs) um improving yourself is is improving your heart and your soul and the people you care about so that you're all better for each other And the genetic modification comes naturally after that, if you're lucky. If you're lucky and have magic, yes. If you believe (laughs) really hard. There can't be miracles. Oh my god, so... If you believe... I I also think it's interesting, maybe it's more of like an invader mentality versus like, because technically if you think about it, you were talking about the Expanse and how they save the things because they're like, we might fucking need this later. And I think about like a lot of the immigrant stories that I hear about. Mm in my own like family's experience we fucking hoard shit you know because we're like (laughs) we might need this we spent money on this this might be useful in the future or fixable and that's what you're talking about with the expanse and that sort of like scarcity mindset and i feel like that should exist if you only have a weakening crystal and there's only two of you traversing uh galaxies yeah um maybe you would think that but maybe it's like a difference between again that invader mindset versus immigrant mindset so that's how like why did you break the fucking crystal that's so great because then there's like this whole other aspect in the expanse of technology from another kind and alien technology taking over and building Mm. and rebuilding and coming back to like rebirth that we're talking about with sailor moon right of like taking things that exist and transforming them so very interesting, very interesting. Space provides a lot for these kind of stories, which I fucking love. The inner soul sanctum world where we get Hotaru and Chibiusa hanging out. They are together and they promise to protect one another in this little world. It's kind of like a veil, right? Lifted between the two worlds, between death and life where they're being kept. And Hotaru's like, I'll protect you, Chibiusa, forever. Yeah, and it's just like this little light, but it's like, it's so powerful. And this so is actually sad. one of the scenes that I think is done so well, like in this, in this series inversion. Um, but I will say before we could do that, we start getting to like more of the Tomoe stuff and like what's going on here. And we get like those flashbacks about Kaori slash Kalanite. And I just am so confused because like, so we're in the middle, we're in the middle of like a very, it seems like stressful surgery that requires a lot of you know, attention. Surgery is very, very taxing mentally and physically, what I've heard. Yeah. You're working on bodies. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the surgery, her forehead gets hit by an egg, and then she starts floating and becomes a baddie. And by a baddie, I don't mean a bad, like, bad guy. I mean, she's like, she's a baddie all of a sudden in the middle of surgery. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. That was some kind of a weird animation choice, actually. But I, 
Hey. I assume I think that's what happens in the manga, right? I don't remember exactly, but I'm just like it's just so funny. She's like suddenly in club clothes in the floating in the middle of the hospital room. That's her magical girl transformation. It only that's happens true. when you throw an egg at her. I wish you <laughs> could do that to me. Just throw an <laughs> egg at me. Just throw an egg at your forehead and you're like, oh. like my hair is redyed. I've got my cool like nuclear clothes. Oh my god, where did you get that I, fucking egg? Yeah, I need one of those. Yeah. Holy shit. Oh my god. Maybe the egg had magic within it, you know? No one knew. Mm. 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 <laughs> there are a couple scenes here that are really well juxtaposed against one another. Kaori, Kaelinite, Tomoe both pledge their loyalty to Pharaoh 90. Kaori gets vesselized, and Tomoe pledges to continue vesselizing bodies and creating superhuman life forms beyond the current mission. Okay, beyond the scope of the mission. That's great. Just do it for free. Why don't you? And then there's a great scene simultaneously where Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto tell Sailor Moon why they followed Queen Serenity, how they Mm. chose to follow the light, that the light shines from her, and that Silver Crystal is pure and healing and full of love. And all of this is put directly against everyone pledging their loyalty to Pharaoh 90 and the darkness and mm. doing all this vesselization and doing it beyond their own bodies, right? They'll, they'll die for this cause. I thought those together were perfect. That's such a great point. I don't think I really realized how, how well those <laughs> scenes are juxtaposed against one another and that that's, you know, the, the forces, the sides are lining up. They're getting ready, but great point the scouts come upon tomoe who tells them master pharaoh 90 is rising to power and he sets his very first monster upon them a hybrid human alien who is super powerful the outer scouts transform and fight with sailor moon the inner senshi are trapped on a different level defeated and sailor moon can feel super sailor moon's power start to retreat And then Mistress Nine is revealed, and Yusagi and the Outer Senshi see that she's Hotaru. Big sad. Yup. Frowny face. (laughs) Frowny face. Chloe did put a frowny face in the notes here. It felt important. That brings us to... (laughs) That brings us to Act 36, Infinity 10. Infinite, Upper Atmosphere. And Act 37, Infinity 11, Infinite Judgment. The inner senshi are being held in purple bubble things by Mistress Nine, who reveals their master plan. The Earth shall be their mother planet reborn, and they're making a new star system for the Death Busters. There's like two of you, <laughs> and these two new people you fucking recruited. You don't need a whole planet. Anyways, the outer senshi join their forces to use their talismans to stop the invasion, and Hotaru starts fighting within herself trying to stop mistress nine from having her body but mistress nine wins against her quote unquote quote unquote (laughs) it's quite a scene with the googly eyes and the monstrous spikes coming out of her amazing i did really love the original animations for mistress nine you know and she was like my favorite part of this season when i was a wee bab hotaru's done really well which we'll talk about here because Sailor Moon summons strength from Neo Queen Serenity, but her attacks don't work, so Mistress Nine begins to tear Hotaru's body apart. And we see Hotaru promising to protect both Chibiusa's soul and the Silver Crystal 
and Mistress Nine cannot draw from it. So she starts trying to eat the Senshi's souls instead. That's fun. That's cute. And Hotaru tries to protect their souls, too. And there's that great line. Hotaru says that she's nothing more than a soul. And it's it's so, like, helpless, right? Like, she's never had any agency over her body from a very young age, even before the accident, and especially after the accident, right? The family she lived with and her, her father, while he's not, maybe he wasn't quite necessarily the way he is today in this anime at the moment, <gasps> but... He was kind of a weirdo, right? Like, he kept her inside and wouldn't let her He's talk to anyone. He's Tomoe's kind of a weirdo, dude. So, I digress. Uh, he is a big weirdo. Hotaru saying, I'm nothing more than a soul, is like this very sad, like, almost like giving up, right? Like, feeling that your body is your prison and that you can't beat your body and that you're within yourself. All you are is just a soul. but hasn't this entire show talked about how important souls are and how a soul and the crystal, especially crystals connected to that soul for some of us, like how important they are, how magical they are, how life sustaining they can be like souls are fucking powerful. If that's, if your soul is what makes you do shit, if that's where your will comes from, you know, that's, that's pretty big Hotaru girl. That's pretty big. So this body horror, her fighting even without control, and her looking within her, right, to find something worth fighting for, which for her is Chibiusa, the first person to really show her love and to care about her, and that she really had a chance to love and care about, too. Just a really great metaphor for, you know, people with differently abled bodies or people struggling with even depression or with other, you know, illnesses that you can't quite see every day, but they're there. Yeah, I really like the way that you've drawn that line because that is Hotaru's story, right? Until until Chibiusa sees the absorption of the cyborg parts, it is in some ways invisible except for the part where she's coughing and says she's, they say she's having a seizure and I'm like, that's not what a seizure looks like. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> um, Stop appropriating other people's illnesses, Hotaru. She has her own illness and it's clearly a very bad one. <laughs> She didn't. We didn't need to call it a seizure, <laughs> um, but it's like a really great visualization in a couple of different ways of, and as you said, metaphor for feeling like your body is not only your own but is turned against you, literally turned against you and taken and becomes this foreign thing. Mm. But as you said, her soul is her soul is so strong. Like that. That is a lot of what the story is about. That you can, even if you're just like your body is weak or you're like a little girl or something you can go beat the monsters even if the monsters are you and inside of you <laughs> your physical capabilities do not define who you are yeah yeah i mean honestly what hotaru does is like ridiculously impressive yeah absolutely i mean what did i do today i ate dumplings that's what i did today what did hotaru do today well oh well and again, I think that is some of the strongest parts of like what they've done in this adaptation, you know, really showing showing that ferocity and strength on her part. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, speaking of bodies, 
on the other side of what you're saying, I do wish that Mistress Nine scenes showed her with the same kind of glamour that they did for Black Lady or something like that. I remember I was scrolling through something and like saw a fan art someone did of Mistress Nine. I was like, yeah, we could have had it all. But as you were also saying, I did love the animations for the body horror stuff and the close-ups for Mistress Nine, you know, being deranged and being like, I'm willing to break out of this for ultimate power. I thought they did a really good job with that. And I, I, I'm just like a fan of those kinds of things. <laughs> I love that, though. I do. I like and I mean, again, I'm here for a lot of the, the outfits. You know, we love the outfits. Give me a Mooglair. I'm here all day long. The the classic combo of like the pearls, the pearls across the, yeah. the chest is so wild. I love that, though. I will say, yeah, there's something about the hair that like had they her manga design is like has a little more white in it and had they gone a little more with the white i might have liked it a little more because her hair got right. lost in her outfit like very often in the in the television yeah show. in uh crystal yeah 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 and like her hair is part of like what's kind of cool and it's meant to like a contrast with hotaru and be part of be be part of what makes her so scary like it's like that she uses the hair as grippy, scary shit. Very Medusa. Tentacles. I mean, it's yeah, very Medusa. much Medusa. Yeah. Exactly. Literally. Give us more glamorous Mistress Knight. Yeah. Just a little more. Just a little, you know. As a treat. As a treat. Something interesting going on here I really liked was that Sailor Moon team didn't want to murder Tomoe. It was like, oh, interesting. Mm. You don't want to murder him. That's very nice of you. And, you know, they think killing Hataru's father might be, you know, bad and be unfair to her. But last episode, they killed Kaolinite, like, without even thinking about it. Like, they were like, dead bitch. And Kaolinite probably has more in common with these girls in a way. Killing Tomoe, yes, would upset Hotaru, maybe, who you know. And I don't know, there's something interesting, and it's like Dunbar's number, it's funny, we just talked about this at brunch last yeah. week, it's Dunbar's number, like, you can only care about so many people and so many degrees of people within those degrees, like, Hotaru, Hotaru's dad, those are some easy connections to make to morally go, maybe I shouldn't kill him, but Kaolinite, I guess, wasn't in that circle. I'm like, damn, like, you could have rehabbed her, maybe. Maybe she was too far gone. Or maybe they were like, you know what? Hotaru hated her. You're not Hotaru's mom. Kill no, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> get out of here, evil stepmommy. But th it's true, though. Like, and this isn't the only season where that happens, where they're like, hmm, we don't want to kill people. And then it's like, you kill killed a lot of people. We killed all these other witches five also earlier. But... And there are some characters yeah. that eventually come back that have technically been killed off that are bad, to be fair, and they come back and do get rehabbed. No spoilers, but I think that does kind of, I guess that makes up for it in the long run, but. Yeah, I think that for Kale and Knight, they're just like, I don't know, whatever. Fuck that she bitch. an egg in the head. Egg in her, your face, Kale and Knight. Um, ah, but... Egg on her face. <laughs> I guess they were just like, you know, Tomoe... Yeah, it, it's as you said, he's important to Hotaru and we care a lot about her. Hotaru returns the souls to the scouts and to Chibiusa and then appears on a spirit plane to tell her that their friendship was destiny. And wishing her farewell, Chibiusa transforms then into Sailor Chibimoon, oh, thanking her dad for keeping her safe in the hospital bed. 
and then juts off. No, I think that was just in his place. They didn't even take her to the hospital. What do, we, do they say? Uh, we have an unconscious kid and we have no idea how to explain this. Thanking her dad for keeping her safe and juts off across the sky to join the fight. Mamoru transforms too and decides, you know, tuxedo mask should be there as well. There's this fucking line. Oh my god. I know what they meant with it. And it, I, I think it has a sweetness to it. There's a tenderness to it. But Mamoru says, I feel like I'm giving her away for her wedding. Which is a way to get a theme across. That yes, this is a huge moment for her. That she has transformed into Sailor Chibi Moon. Which is very important. It's a very coming of age moment for her. That she's going to be a big kid just like them. You know, that she can fight. Because what does she wish for all season? She wishes that she could be just like Sailor Moon. And fight someday. It's a sweet moment. It was just a very funny line delivery in the dub. Yeah, I don't I don't remember what it is in the sub, but I guess I get it. And I kind of wonder if part of it is also tying into the ending of the season. <laughs> not season. The, en- the ending of the whole series oh. in which Takeuchi always like had promised everyone mm-hmm. that it would end with Mamoru and like Usagi's wedding. And like, mm. if there's something about that. You know, you were talking about it as a coming-of-age moment, and, you know, it's basically about Chibusa mm-hmm. leaving the nest. Yeah. Having agency as an adult, but everyone battles it out. Chibusa brings Hotaru's love and spirit from within, and everyone's, like, sad about it, too, which is, they should be. Um, And she gets to transform as well with a second chalice. Everyone lends their strength to Super Sailor Moon, and then Chibiusa and Usagi battle together using Rainbow Double Moon Heartache, and then the space distortion spills out, absorbing the Mistress Nine monster, with Master Pharaoh 90 coming to do battle next after absorbing her whole. I love... So only one person, sorry, only one person is coming to this whole planet. (sighs) Yeah, well, you know what? Villains, honestly, are usually just big bullies, Eliana. You know, they're like my planet now, motherfucker. For my one person. Uh, Yes, as referenced earlier, we had the rainbow moon heartache attack, and then together they performed double moon, rainbow double moon heartache. And that's very sweet. I think it's a very special moment that she's able to move aside and make room for Chibi Yusa to join in and have her own attack to be more powerful together. And... Uh, Rainbow Double Moon Heartache is in, it first comes up in this exact moment in volume 8, act 37 of the manga, which I was perusing before jumping on with you. And they use this to emit little beams of light on their heart moon rods at the enemy. Very cute. Very good job with your first attack. All suited up, kid. I'm very proud. Kid. Kid. Yeah, that's what a good parent child relationship looks like not like whatever is happening with Hotaru and Tomoe yeah even Mamoru like we let him ar- stay around because he's pretty and he doesn't have that much of a great power like sometimes he throws a rose a couple times that hurts some bitches but yeah. you know what he's allowed to stay around yeah he he somehow has magical life support systems you know <laughs> that keeps his daughter alive oh I get it that's also kind of like what, what happened with Tomoe mm. and Hotaru but in the same position. In a less toxic way. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Well, if you just believe your daughter's gonna come back from the dead, maybe she will. Maybe you don't need to take any action. They they delegated, they split up the roles. Oh my god. You know? 
All of the Senshi combine their powers and attack the Pharaoh's purple space power that he's emitting. It's all bleh. Uh, but Pharaoh's pretty fucking tough. They're down bad, and Sailor Moon's eternal light begins to shine from within her and from within her crystal. Chibiusa tells them all that Hotaru is here with them in their hearts, battling with them all, and Sailor Moon realizes she's the only one who can use the power of the silver crystal to defeat the Pharaoh. And then she seemingly walks into it and sacrifices herself. The talismans all begin to glow and emit crazy power, and somehow Hotaru comes back. Somehow Hotaru has sudden. returned. Still don't know how, no, I was thinking the same thing. Uh, this actually has more logic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, floating down into the scene with her glaive, which I'm going to go over this again. So glaive, the, the silence glaive, everyone which is pronounced the way that it's spelled and exactly the way that you would think it's pronounced in the 90s dub from DxH4Kids. I forgot which one it was by that time, by season three. In the English dub, they called it the silent save, and I guess they just didn't want us to think about the polearm or axe, even though there's a literal, like, space sword right there, and then Chibiusa busts out a gun in season two. So I just, like, don't understand why it was a problem they had to change the word because child me until, like, pretty much today thought the pronunciation of G-L-A-I-V was with a, with an S sound. It was pronounced save. And I just chalked it up to one of those weird idiosyncrasies of the English language, like the words enough and though, which both end with O-U-G-H, but are pronounced very differently and, like, none of the letters that are in there so anyways i would love for you to go back and like just see it now and you know i know they've redubbed since it was bought out but i would love to see somebody go back and find out what it says now i'm pretty sure they called it save and i'm like i just legitimately thought because i had read the manga before and seen the way it was spelled and i know what this thing is called that that was the pronunciation for g-l-a-i-v-e which again (laughs) Child me, children, as we discussed earlier, children and logic, you know. Out the window. Doesn't have Fucking to make out that the much window. Sense. Doesn't have to make that much sense. No. No. Yeah. Anyway, Sailor Saturn is awakened, which can only mean one thing, which she tells everyone what it means and why she's here. Thankfully, this was foreshadowed every episode for the last four episodes. Thank God for that. Uh, here's a long scene about what happens when Saturn comes down. A flashback. Yeah. That's like the most shocking end of an episode, right? Like, oh no, everyone's mm, gonna die when she point. shows up. Uh, it's a great way to leave on a cliffhanger. A lot of recycled frames in this episode. I loved some of the new transformations for Chibi Moon. But, you know, I have to say, the first six minutes of basically most of the latter half of this season is recaps of every episode so six minutes i mean it's 15 minute episodes it's literally like a 15 minute episode so it's just a bummer to see so much reused over and over uh saturn animations were great chibiusa animations were beautiful but it's just a bummer to see so much reused over and over again just to get through it it's the penultimate fucking episode yeah i don't think i realized that or noticed that but you're right and i think that's just a typical thing that they do in anime to save budget and it always usually happens towards like later parts because especially when they're making anime season sometimes it's coming out like at the same time you know they finish an episode it goes on air practically like you know they're doing them Mm -hmm. very 
they're building the plane as it's flying. Mm-hmm. So um, you only find out that you're running out of budget. As you run out of budget, yeah. Yeah, as you're running out of the budget. So, bummer. I will say, you know, like, I thought it was nice that, you know, meeting Super Sailor Moon is what triggers and leads to Super Sailor Chibi Moon, right? Like, she was so inspired. And I thought it was really telling because we do see this season, like, a memory in which Chibiusa is talking with Neo Queen Serenity. And, like, Neo Queen Serenity doesn't tell her. Like, her mom doesn't tell her that you're gonna one day meet Super Sailor Moon, or, like, one day you'll see, like, Super Sailor Moon, but didn't tell her that it would cause her to become Super Sailor Chibi Moon, which I assume her mother must have known, because that's how time works, right? But anyway, she must have known, but she didn't tell her because that's something that Chibiusa had to learn and find out for herself. She had to learn that strength through her own journey, and I thought that was, like, a really great... That's actually kind of good parenting. I think it's kind of cute. Yeah. I mean, you have to learn. You have to fall down. Like, you know, you put your hand on a stove. Obviously, your mom's going to swat it away. But if you feel the heat from the stove and it hurts, you probably won't fucking touch that stove anymore. Yeah. Unless you're a fucking sadist, masochist, whatever. Yeah. I guess she didn't want her daughter to feel like, you know, you're going to definitely meet success. You have to, like... Like, you have to earn it, and then you can discover and feel that joy of discovering your own power for yourself. Yeah. yeah. And, like, there, again, coming back to kind of what Chibiusa in the beginning of the season kept saying, like, that she wants to be like her mom, and she, you know, she's very, oh, I want to be just like Sailor Moon someday. Like, yeah. no, she's going to be her own version, her own person. This is her moment. Her mom letting her be her own person is the bigger part of that, right? Like, her mom not saying, this is how you have to do things, this is how we do things in this family, you're not allowed to do this, you're not allowed to do that. No, make your own mistakes and find out what sort of sailor senshi you are on your own. That's what her mom is giving to her. Find out who you are on your own. Yeah, which is nice. Even though it, she's like, even if it takes you 300 years, I guess. (laughs) You gotta push her a little, but at the same time, like, it, it was very nice for her. Well, and um, that that's another point, though. I will say, like, had all this war not happened, had they not been reincarnated to Earth, like, we see how their relationship was the first two seasons. Maybe these tribulations is a change for her, right? Like, yes, she's 300, but this is, a, in a way, they're all reincarnated over and over again into different lives. Maybe they're learning in the past lives, you know? Maybe this isn't something necessarily that... Sailor Moon would have done for Chibiusa in the last life. Maybe in the last life she was more strict. Mm. I think that's definitely true, right? Yeah. Because I do think we see that Usagi is a little, like, more resilient. She's more positive than Princess Serenity. There's more of a belief that we can make it work and that we can fix things. And Younger, I love that, earnest. that idea that... Yeah, I love that, that we can iterate and become better versions of ourselves. Yeah. Maybe it's true. Whether in the literal past life or in this one, right? We'll have many lives in our in our current world as humans. It's such a tragedy that you won't watch Doctor Who all the way through. You're really killing me. Continue. <laughs> Maybe I will. Maybe one day there'll be a version of me that will, Chloe. There's a speech that one of my favorite doctors on the show, because spoilers, there's several different doctors. Um, I did know yeah, that. Yeah, I thought you knew that. But I just, I, you can never tell with you. But <laughs> one of my favorite doctors has an exit speech when he's 
becoming next doctor, transforming into the next doctor. He has a few moments and he gives a speech about how like we're all the same. We're all different people and the same people than we used to be. And the important part is that you have to keep moving. You know, like you can't ever forget Mm. a single day that you've lived and it's okay to change. Change always comes, but you have to keep moving. And I think that is very fitting for the scouts with all of their incarnations. Yeah. I love that. Oh, it's an incredible fucking speech. It's amazing. It's Damon Targaryen. Spoilers. Oh my god. I love that a lot of Sailor Moon is also you keep moving and you change because of with the people around you. And thank you for being on this journey of change with me. Aw, I'm waiting for you to change. When does the change start, Eliana? Oh, it's already changed back then. Uh, We're in our misinformation era, remember? Oh, man. Well, let's close. Let's get in there. Okay, let's get in there. All right. All right. Let's get in there. Let's talk about Act 38. Infinity 12, Infinite Journey. Just as Saturn is about to end it all for everyone ever. Please, my God. Uh, (laughs) The Silver Crystal gives everyone new outfits. Woo! New powers. Woohoo! And Sailor Moon transforms into Neo Queen Serenity and restores the entire city. But that's not all. Hotaru suddenly appears as a babby, reincarnated. The outer senshi are like, we'll take care of her. And yeah, again, no question about the expenses or anything. They're just going to take care of this baby. Good, good. They have patrons. A solar eclipse appears, and the happy family hears the sound of someone's twinkle bell. Oh, yeah, that's right. Very interesting. That's foreshadowing. You'll all find out later. It's like one of my favorite plots. I don't know why I'm so weird, but I fucking love that. I actually do like that plot. I do. I do. I love Pegasus. I love Helios. I I don't even care. Oh, Chloe's like, we're out here telling them the arc. Y'all will see it in a second. Don't worry. Y'all will see it soon. Uh, Unless you already have. I, I honestly think that a majority, I know not all of you, but I also know that a majority of our listeners are people who have watched. Yes. And are familiar with the story from the first iteration, so. <sighs> or other iterations. Anyways. <sighs> before we get into the things that we like, I have I have qualms. I have qualms with Netflix and whoever oh, yeah. did the subtitle translations. So bad. It's so bad this season. Oh my god. Yeah. Like, okay. Okay. Whoever did this, you are my enemy. Because first of all, <laughs> when you reprise the theme song within the show because of a dramatic song, which is not unique to this anime. I've seen it happen in many anime. It is a climactic moment, which is why you bring in the theme song. You absolutely should give the translation of the song lyrics because you're bringing it back because it means something poetic to whatever the fuck is happening in that moment. And it is only right for the drama. This is just a normal expected thing that I, the entitled viewer, expect from my anime subtitles. Okay. Tell me what the fuck is being said in the theme song in these moments so it goes together like a beautiful anime music video that is canon. Especially with the new song. Exactly. The new song is a bop. Okay. The new song is, as I said last episode, no offense to the moon, you know, new moon pride. It is, it is superior. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is a better song. Agree. Second, Sailor Saturn. Okay, I'm sorry. This series has been out for a while. You have a source material with other people who have fucking translated this. And it is not the 90s dub anymore. You do not have that excuse. The translation says for Sailor Saturn's attack, you know, she's getting ready to fucking destroy everything. 
death ribbon revolution, like fucking a ribbon you put in your hair. And it, I guess it does kind of look a little bit like that, but it's fucking death reborn yeah. revolution, like rebirth, which is very obvious from the themes that are going on. And also the fact that this is a series that has been out for a very long time and you can go look up what it is in the other translations. That's all. I read a really interesting article about like the translation. Someone wrote about how there were issues quite obviously. And three was bad. Like, one and two, every once in a while, there's a difference in how something is said versus how it's been translated. And it's something that I said to you, right, in the season two episode, didn't I say? I'm like, do you know, like, why it would be different? But this season was, like, bad on purpose, question mark? I Like, they were saying things that was not at all what was on the screen. It was wild. It was wild. It was, uh, it really sucks because they actually really did improve the animations since last season like yes i bitched last episode yeah. but i'm serious that like they improved uh there was a lot of really great work i think done in this season to kind of answer some of those complaints about the animations but the subtitles just fucking flunked it yeah yeah i mean at least you know happy for the japanese viewers they got a fantastic experience <laughs> which they do not need the subtitles or translations unless they're like me like and you right we both still turn on subtitles when we're watching yeah english shows like shows that are made in subtitles english, always so. when you and your partner came over to my house and you guys were like oh yeah we're fine with subtitles i was like thank fucking god because i didn't want to end our friendship over subtitles. that yeah <laughs> same i used to not do it till um my other friend whom i watched a lot of sailor moon with she was doing it. i was like maybe i'm gonna try what she does i didn't i was like and then i never went back i never went never. back never Big themes this season. Definitely, like I said, feel like rebirth, darkness and light, the battle between being human and losing your humanity. Uh, the outer senshi, mm -hmm. you know, they can't help Sailor Moon's team because Sailor Moon's team refuses to kill. They thought the only way through was to kill Saturn. There was no other way. Hotaru and Chibiusa then kind of answered that, right? They were cute little weirdos. Chibusa reaches out through that darkness and weirdness to be her friend, no matter what, being that saving grace in everything. And I think there's a great uh, mirror being held up to Usagi and Hotaru, right? That Saturn is death, Moon is creation. And from Saturn's death came Usagi bringing her back. The only time a main antagonist also doesn't die at Sailor Moon's hands is pretty much at Saturn's, here. Mm, that's an interesting point. Yeah, and, it, and Saturn's death also, you know, like allows everyone else to live, right? Mm -hmm. That same ideas of sacrifice, and even though everyone else wanted to kill her, which is <laughs> fucked up. But as you said, there's like a lot of themes about rebirth, and I think they're put there to kind of contrast with this theme of regressing, which I think those can be confused with each other very easily, but they are different, right? They talk about like the atavism aspect or like the de evolution thing that Pharaoh 90 wants and uses to create these monsters. And that, I think, goes against the idea of the rebirthing, right? Instead of learning to move on and grow and maybe try to make a new life and adapt, they're trying to put all of their energy back into their, like, dying crystal, right? And that's what kind of maybe what led to the death of their old world. They want to go back to the way things were before, but on this new planet, which, again, is very strange because there's only, like, two of them. And then after a while, only one of them. 
And as opposed to, you know, the outer sense have to learn in this new world in life, they have to learn to adapt and they're like, oh, that's not the way we do things anymore. We're not going to just kill little kids, even though it seems like the thing we should do. Or as you were saying, right, Usagi grows and whoever she is as Neo Queen Serenity, maybe she wouldn't have had the capacity to do these things as who she was when she was Princess Serenity in the Silver Millennium. And like, also speaking of just like the two of them, when it comes to Mistress Nine and Pharaoh 90, like the whole vessels thing, and I don't know if it's actually the same kind of metaphor or not, right? Like, I don't know what the sorts of cultural metaphors they have in Japan are, but Mistress Nine, as Pharaoh 90's partner, just lets herself be his vessel and be gets subsumed by him when they become mm. one, which I thought was like really interesting in regards to how they see that idea of like marriage and the inequality of their relationship as partners kind of romantically but also in terms of magic shit and then you juxtapose that against like Usagi she dreams about marrying Mamoru in the future um during this season but I, and I don't think this is a spoiler because again I, I and I already said this earlier but Takeuchi had told people before that the whole series will end with like their wedding but in that wedding no one subsumes anyone right Usagi still gets to be her own person Mamoru does too and makes an astral projection of himself as we see later on and by later on I mean in season two it's <laughs> King and Demian <laughs> sorry I'm, I'm mixing up my timelines here so yeah I love that I don't know that you have like that that split image of Usagi versus Pharaoh 90 that Pharaoh 90 is willing to just consume the people that put this hard work into building a new world together for him yeah. and for his desires but Usagi refuses to let anyone get left behind. Exactly. She she doesn't want to let anyone get left behind and when she uses their power, she doesn't subsume them. She gives them back that power even better so that they become better and like you know speaking about being your own person like i don't know maybe it's a metaphor here this whole vesselization thing right for when it comes to hotaru and living out as her father's dreams slash pet project like he made a body for her and then also puts a whole other different person inside of her and i think there's like kind of this metaphor here when it comes to growing up because you were talking about tribute and that coming of age thing this is also a coming of age thing, right? Like, are you, as a child, are you a vessel for your parents' dreams mm. or for your own? Are you a vessel for what other people expect of you in regards to when you become and self-actualize, you're going to fucking destroy the entire planet? Or do you get to choose your own path and who you are? That's what, like, they're the people who are warring inside of you. There's Mistress Nine, the person who does what Papa wants. The goddess of destruction, again, the person everyone expects or thinks she will is in terms of destroying everything, and Hotaru slash Sailor Saturn, who is a savior. She's a protector. Mm -hmm. And the person that she chooses to be because Chibiusa showed her that, you know, you're your own person, and I love you for being you, who's this gentle, nice, kind, powerful soul. And again, you see it like in how Neo Queen Serenity didn't tell Chibiusa who she's going to grow up to be. She's been letting her figure out her own path for the past 300 years. Very beautifully said. Thank you, Eliana. I'm like tears in my eyes. I don't want to talk about it. Oh my God, friendship is so beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah, beautiful. And, and even as we end this episode, the cherry trees are blossoming when Chibiusa comes back, right? Showing that flourish of life in the city and things being good 
and the friendship the girls are showing even at the end it's great to see them all just being girls instead of being soldiers yeah. right like Usagi and Mina great friendship Minako is so <laughs> silly she's very funny she's charismatic outgoing and confident and Usagi is a lot of those things but they still have a contrast to one another right Minako's way more sure of herself in my opinion that was something I missed in the previous seasons that I think is there in the manga, and it's definitely there in, like, the Sailor V stuff, right? Which predates Sailor Moon. And we know that Minako is, like, that. And so I just love Minako enabling Usagi to get failing grades. Like, they are <laughs> gremlin partners together. They enable one another. Maybe somewhat like they're us. like us. Yeah. Enable- get out of here. <laughs> exactly. They're us. Uh-huh. You know, I have to say, Eliana... I think Sailor Moon is like the Lord of the Rings of magical girl shows. You know, I mean, this was a lot of the foundation and a lot of the bricks for some of the magical oh, girl yeah. animes we see today, whether you're talking Madoka, you know, um, it, it, it enabled a lot to happen on TV. And this season being brought to life, even through some of the criticisms we had, like it was a beautiful season to see remade in today's quality today's animation quality and what's available as well as like some of the story cutaway obviously i wanted a little more i'll always want a little more but yeah it was still a great season yeah i agree i'll always want a little more and to be honest like a 13 episode core is actually very normal for a lot of anime seasons so maybe it was just that they were like i don't know hamstringed into you either get 13 episodes you get 26 I would and guess like, so. Oh, we don't have the budget for 26, because that's the usual amount. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's what happened. And yeah, I just always wish that there were more. And I, I, I'm I, so glad the Outer Century are here. Yeah. Sailor Saturn. Well, we aren't over yet, right? We will be back, as we stated, in a couple months here with the Eternal movie. Uh, and then Cosmos, whenever part we get one. it. Part one. Yeah, part one. Eternal Part 1 and 2, and then Cosmos 1 and 2, when we get them. Honestly, that information might be out, but I don't think it is. So. Yeah, I believe we talked about it. I think it's in the winter time. it's going to become available to buy, it sounds like. But please, again, do not hold us to that fact. Because what if we're wrong again? And Or they, they could change it. They could change it. So Let's see. I'm on the internet. The Japanese Blu-ray and DVD will be released December 20th, 2023. So 2024, we'll have it. After the Blu-ray? Okay, because I'm like, what about not the Japanese Blu-ray? What about the international release? Anyways. Anyways. Yeah, uh, all we have is that one and two will release regular and limited DVD and Blu-ray sets. It will only include Japanese audio with no English subtitles as with other Japanese well, Sailor fuck. Moon edition releases. Now, that said, there's literally no news about when the fuck that'll happen outside of Japan. Doesn't stop people from speculating. Um, many are thinking maybe we'll get, you know, in theaters or on Netflix before December 20th. It doesn't make sense to me, though. I imagine that might be later, and I've read that the original timeline was rele- when it was released in theaters predicted if we heard about it and got a release of it with a similar delay that we did for Eternal, Netflix announcement would be September and streaming premiere in November. So we have five days for the Netflix announcement to happen for that to be real. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if they will do Netflix first or if they are going to shoot for a theatrical release, because every now and then Netflix is like, 
tries to flirt with the idea of doing theatrical releases. I don't know how well it works for them, but I will say, like, I know that, what, the last Evangelion Rebuild movie came out on Amazon Prime first or something available on Amazon and then had a theatrical release, but was still up for streaming. And I think there's an audience for for it to still, like, be in the theaters regardless. Yeah, and realistically, someone will do a fan dub, I'm sure, in the meantime, if it comes out without being on Netflix. Honestly, realistically, I think, I bet the fan sub already exists. And <laughs> the, with the release of the DVD and the Blu-ray, it will just be like a better quality fan yeah. sub because I think whatever they have is probably the theater rip. Yes. Which is not great. Like, in any, I'm not, I haven't watched that one, but I'm just saying like, no. In general, theater rips are not like the ideal viewing experience. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. I will probably wait until we get it on a screen here so I can read my stupid American yeah. ass off on those words. So, till then, we will be, Same. hopefully, we'll have an announcement of when you can expect it next time we're on here. Yeah. Or, I mean, honestly, hopefully at the latest, like December. So, at least we can say that after part two. But still, like. Yeah, I'm going to wait for it to be on a screen for me, either the silver screen or the little personal screen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we begin the wait with one another now. We'll be back to cover Eternal Part 1 and 2. And uh, for legendary crystal screen. Yes. <laughs> and until then, make sure that you are subscribed to us on a platform that you prefer for audio, or if you aren't using any of those Spotify's or Apple podcasts, uh, check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon. Several different tiers with different perks where you can catch us covering other series like the A Song of Ice and Fire series, the His Dark Material series, and more. Absolutely. And if you have any thoughts for us, you can send it to us on social media, twitter.com slash x.com, whatever, slash Girls Gone Canon, C-A-N-O-N. We are also on Blue Sky as Girls Gone Canon. And you can send us an email at girlsgonecanon at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to next time with you. I have been one of your hosts, Chloe. And I have been another one of your hosts, Eliana. Enabling. Enabling for all of us to get failing grades. Misinforming. <laughs> enabling. Misinforming. Enabling. Misinforming. Not <laughs> Goodbye. Bye.